Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, June 3rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Protests over police brutality continued in the U.S. on Tuesday, and many companies and chief executives have come out to comment on the demonstrations. But will this translate to systematic change within these offices? The FT's Andrew Edgecliffe Johnson will explain. Plus, public health experts are concerned about how the protests may hasten the spread of coronavirus. And the video conferencing service Zoom is riding high on the work-from-home trend. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Across social media yesterday, you may have noticed friends and big brands going dark. Everything from Dove Soap to the NBA posted pitch black squares on their Instagram accounts as part of a trending movement called Blackout Tuesday. The move was aimed at raising awareness to something that has brought demonstrations to streets across the U.S., racism against black Americans. But this is a much different reaction by many companies and chief executives than what we've seen in the past. Our U.S. business editor, Andrew Edgecliff Johnson, we call him Edge, has more. So one of the first things I saw in this vein was um, over the weekend from the CFO of Citigroup, uh, Mark Mason, who issued a very personal post on social media as a black man sharing George Floyd's last words, I can't breathe, and speaking up about the need for business leaders to lead this fight against systemic racism. And since then, we've seen you know, Verizon CEO Hans Vestberg choking up as he delivered his remarks on this. We've had Ken Frazier of Merck, who famously led the business protest to Donald Trump's handling of the Charlottesville racist uh, violence. And he said this week companies had to use their platforms, including their political clout, not only for their own economic self-interest in the short term, but also to think about how to create a society that's actually going to be good for business. And we've even had Evan Spiegel, the CEO of Snap, So it's been a very strong and consistent message from business that's cut across a broader swathe of industries than the usual kind of tech and consumer-facing ones we've seen speak out in the past. Edge, do you have a sense of whether the response is greater this time around than, say, during the Ferguson protests in 2014 or the protests in Baltimore, Maryland in 2015? And if it is the case, why? I would say from my conversations with business leaders in the last few days that there are two reasons. One is this growing sense, um, which I think is debatable, but I think which many business people feel, that they are filling a political vacuum, that there is less consistent confidence in political leadership in America at the moment, and that companies are being asked to step into areas which were typically the preserve of politicians. Um, So that is the first one. The second is that in those intervening years, we've seen CEOs and, and their companies speaking up on a host of really quite difficult socio-political issues. You know, we've had debates about transgender bathroom access. We've had debates about access to abortion. We've had, obviously, a very heated immigration debate in the US. And companies have felt more and more pressure to speak up on this, coming principally from their employees. I think for the big consumer brands, it's also coming from their consumers. If you're Nike, for example, uh, or a business like that, you get a lot of pressure from your consumers to speak up on these subjects. And we have seen those companies speak up on race quite loudly in the past. So from the executives that you spoke to, do you get the sense that this is just lip service for social media points? Or is this laying the groundwork for 
some type of systematic change. What are you what are you looking out for here, Edge? There's certainly been skepticism from people who say, thanks very much for the nice social media post about Black Lives Matter, but now show me how many uh, black and brown faces you have on your executive committee. But I think by and large, there may certainly been a few of those posts written by the social media team rather than the CEO. But I think most CEOs have really started to understand that they have to have a point of view on this. They have to take action on this. The thing that I'm going to be watching and the thing that the people I speak to this week are watching is whether this very, very sweeping reaction we've seen this week is followed by sweeping action. And they're looking in four areas for that action. One, are you going to hire more people of color? Two, are you going to pay them equally? Three, are you going to use your capital to invest in minority entrepreneurs and minority communities? And four, you can use your lobbying power to support policies and politicians who will actually be serious about advancing equality. And some public health officials are concerned about how the protests will affect the spread of COVID-19. The FT's Hannah Kushler is based in New York City. She says that she's noticing that even the most careful protesters are having a hard time social distancing. Yeah, so I live in Brooklyn in Clinton Hill. You know, there's been obviously a lot of anger about the death of George Floyd and there's been many protests in my neighborhood. On Monday night, um, I saw a protest walk past and I think the good thing is, is that people are very aware that we're in the middle of a pandemic and that we've been asked to do things like socially distance, which is normally somewhat odds with how we protest normally. Um, So on Monday, when I saw this protest walk past my apartment building, everyone was trying to distance. It's obviously not easy, but of course, that's when everything's, you know, in the daytime and under their control. And I think when things get violent, people become closer together. And actually in my neighborhood, there have been a couple of much more violent protests in that kind of situation. You know, everyone's running everywhere. They're, you know, breathing very heavily. There's no one's thinking about social distancing or whether their mask is on properly or who's touching them. They're just trying to keep safe from the immediate threat. Um, and so people are concerned that this could end up being, you know, an event that really increases the number of cases just at the moment where they're trying to open up because things were getting a little bit better. And then there's the aspect of contact tracing. These protests must make this job even harder, right, Hannah? Yeah, so one of the things that people were doing, states across the country were hiring these armies of contact tracers. And what they do is they say, you know, who did you meet? And then they call whoever you met and say, by the way, you've been in close contact with someone who had COVID, you should get a test. That's not really possible. If you were on a demonstration, you probably don't know who you were near. So some public health experts, because they are quite anxious not to just admonish protesters, they really understand that this is an important cause and they don't want their advice to necessarily quash protests. And they also point out that normally we think that you probably need some kind of sustained contact, especially if you're outdoors. So you might need, you know, some people say 15 to 30 minutes, but that that is quite possible on a demonstration that you could be next to someone that you don't know for that amount Mm -hmm. of time. Yeah, I think about the die-ins that we've been seeing. Yeah, yeah. And obviously the minute, you know, police draw ranks and create barriers, um, in the UK they call it kettling, you're going to be stuck in place and near other people. 
You you mentioned that you have to that in order for this to spread, there are ideas that you'd have to be close to a person for a significant amount of time. Does that mean that there are mitigating factors? Yeah, I mean, the biggest one is that it's outdoors. You know, everyone says that's super positive compared to having, you know, a, a gigantic rally indoors or something. Because there have been some early studies that show that the chance of transmission is actually very low outdoors. And that sort of fits with what we know about many other diseases. So that is good. The fact that the protesters are mainly young, I mean, young we're not saying they're in their teens, but you know they're not, they're not in their seventies and eighties. Is good the fact that more you know more of them are African American and they're already a population that seems to be much more vulnerable, both through sort of circumstances about how that you know they're forced to live their lives in terms of maybe being more likely to be essential workers, and also through greater prevalence of underlying conditions that make people vulnerable, such as diabetes. And Zoom, the video conferencing service you probably spend a good chunk of your day on at the moment, is emerging as one of the biggest corporate winners of the pandemic. With work-from-home culture bursting during the lockdowns, Zoom saw its revenue rise by about 170% in the three months to the end of April. It's about $330 million and well beyond analyst forecasts of $200 million. The wave of new business pushed Zoom's growth rate to more than double its level before the crisis. The company also predicted that its revenue for 2020 would balloon to the near $2 billion mark, a healthy rise from 2019 when it was about a third of that. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.